Amen. Well, thank you for doing that. I've never heard that song before. That was uh, fantastic. The uh, theologian in me is always like super critical of lyrics when I, when I hear them for the first time. That was really, really solid. I really appreciate that. Uh, all right, we are <clears throat> in our uh, series that we just kicked off, not just, this is our week three here of Entrusted. We've got one more week, uh, and we have been looking at these four T's of tickered talent, uh, treasure, and time. And uh, just to try to help you remember them, the, the four T's when it comes to our hearts and our attitudes towards Christ and the, and the church. And so, uh, again, just entrusted, uh, kind of a little paragraph I've read every week. It just says, the stewardship speaks of two critical realities. We're going to hone in on that idea of stewardship today. Number one, God is the owner of everything. Number two, God entrusts us to oversee some of, the most, uh, some of his most special gifts, in this four-week series, we will learn more concerning the stewardship of God's creation and gifts, and more importantly, we will worship more deeply the one who owns it all. And so uh, two weeks ago, we looked at ticker, and, and, and this is by far the most important thing, uh, that our heart needs to be in whatever else that we're doing, whether it's our, our talent or our treasure or our time, our heart needs to be engaged in this. Uh, that, that God doesn't just want people to give sacrificially or do something. If their heart's not in it, uh, it's, it's all in vain. And, and so God would much rather have our heart be into it, and we're going to look at that. And so kind of summing up even all four of those aspects in Acts chapter 2 says this, they devoted themselves to the early church, to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And, and so kind of walk through this life in the church that we have people checking out Christianity or exploring their faith, and then they die to sin. Uh, they, they have faith in Jesus, and they are born again. They go from death to life, from darkness to light, and they enter into this phase, if you want to call it that, of a new believer, uh, where they're checking things out. They want to study the Bible. They want to get into the Word of God. They're, they're getting into a small group, fill in the blank. And then, and then somewhere in that period, they, they transition into this growing phase of the church, uh, but as we mentioned, this is usually where we become stagnant in our church, and we care more about ourselves, we care more about our, uh, what it's like on the inside of these walls rather than trying to reach people outside of them. And so, there, so this is kind of the second cross of the gospel and understanding the gospel, that it's not just for people to, to get saved, it's something that I need to understand and believe every single day of my, my life. And so I died to sin, but now I'm going to die to self. And then all of a sudden, then I enter into this period and this stage of being Christ-centered. And again, you might say, oh, I wonder what category I am in, and I'm not really sure. Uh, again, I look at this, and I, and I say every day I'm in all four of these categories, I, that I, I make decisions as if I don't have faith in Christ. And I, there's certain things I get really excited about, and certain things I'm stagnant about, and certain things I just want to share the gospel with other people. And I want to see um, a growth in my own heart. I want to see Christ exemplified. I want to have the Father's heart in my heart. And, uh, and so we kind of looked at that, that our hearts are so vitally important. And, and then last week, looking at our, our talents, and we kind of looked at this idea of the church's got talent compared to America's got talent, of looking at this would be a really boring TV show, right? It, it just, it wouldn't get the ratings. Um, and, but it, but it, now everything's on TV. So maybe it would actually be successful. I don't know. I mean, if, uh, you know, if, if I can watch, uh, what is it, Storage Wars? You know, maybe Church's Got Talent wouldn't be so bad, right? Sorry. 
uh, right? Everything's on TV. But, but this is the thing, that the, that the church's talent shouldn't be, hey, look at me, look how great I am, look at the sacrifices I'm making. Uh, and and that it, it are, usually there are things that are behind the scenes that we don't even realize are going on. And they're, they're thankless jobs or tasks or, and I mentioned, right, this, uh, these two people who just spent 27 years praying for their son to come to faith, right? That, that's not going to make the headline. And yet it's just this ongoing attitude and heart to use the gifts, the talents that I've been giving to uh, serve Christ and to not want to be the center of attention, that we're a body and there are many parts of our bodies that are unseen and yet that are vital for the health of a church. So this week, though, we're going to be looking at treasure. Now, this is one of those things, and, and, I'll, and I'll repent of this in a minute, uh, but I have been a pastor for 12 years. This is the first time I have ever preached on money, okay? I have avoided this topic like the plague, all right? Uh, maybe I shouldn't use plague talk, maybe too, too soon. Uh, but I, I, this is just something, because there's such a negative stigma uh, around pastors and churches, right? And, and you can go on, on Twitter, and I think there's, you know, you know, pastors wearing shoes. Isn't that a thing? Or what? Preachers and sneakers, right? They're wearing $1,000 sneakers or whatever it is. And it's just this thing, right? And, and you, know, you know, here, I, hey, I need to get more money because I, I need a new jet uh, to be able to do ministry because I don't want to fly in a tube of demons. Um, that's, a, that's an actual quote uh, from a pastor, by the way. Uh, and so uh, there's a really negative stigma when it comes to giving. Uh, yesterday, I was up at a wedding up in Brainerd. I was doing my cousin's wedding up there. And my uncle Scott... Uh, he, he asked me, he was like, what are you, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And I'm like, oh no, like, here we go. I'm like, money. And he's like, yeah, you guys like talking about money. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's just because that's just how, that's how it is, right? <laughs> that there's this negative stigma. And yet I honestly, I mean this, I'm not just saying this to be, you know, false humility. I, I really do need to repent of that. Uh, that, that our money, and, and Jesus has, says this, where our treasure is, there our heart is also, and our heart is in this. And I, and I think maybe I've done a disservice uh, to you in the sense that I haven't talked about this a whole lot uh, because I get convicted over this. So I, I'm preaching to myself today, uh, and yet I hope that uh, the Spirit will move and talk to you as well um, because this is a spiritual discipline. Uh, this is a way to, to serve God and to serve Christ um, and it's vitally important. And so I did this about a month ago. I kind of want to give you more updates of where we're at financially. And so let me give you this and, and what we're kind of, the goal is for the month of December as we kind of ramp up to the end of the year, that our weekly need right now is about $3,100. Um, and that pays for rent, that pays for salaries, that pays for upkeep, that pays for coffee, that pays for communion. It does all the things, right? Um, but then because of we're part of a larger church, uh, that we are part of uh, locations, that we're one of three locations of Hope Community Church, uh, that we actually pay because of our size and because of our, uh, our budget, we pay 5% of the overall central team budget. What does that mean? That means uh, when I print things, uh, my copier, um, different things like that, uh, HR, payroll, uh, you know, small groups, teams, and fill in the blank, that, that the teams that we have, uh, even, even our website and our app, right, a church of our size wouldn't have 
the website that we have or the apps that we have if we weren't part of a larger organization. So we pay technically 5% of Nolan's salary, right? So you're welcome, Nolan, uh, right? So that, that's how that works, right? Uh, so we kind of have a little piece of the pie. And, uh, and so we, that's, that's how we do that. And I, and I think it's a great thing. Uh, if, it weren't, if we weren't part of that location, our budget would probably be exactly the same but it would just mean we would have to hire more people uh, part-time or fill in those blanks. And so really I'm thankful for that. So um, as we stand right now, as of last week, we're at 75.3% of our budget. Uh, we're $15,412.77 behind, which isn't that big of a number. Uh, now, our, our fiscal year doesn't end until June 30. So we still have seven months to, to make that up. Um, and so, but we're, we're trying to push, and, and I'm gonna put this number, about $34,000 in the month of December, uh, which isn't, isn't that insane. Uh, that Angela and I have already been talking about what can we give uh, that we want to give to this. That, that, and I want you to know this, that if you give, if one of you is a millionaire, and you've been hiding that very well, and you gave a million dollars to the church, I'm telling you, and I mean this, I'm gonna look you on the face right now, I don't get a raise. That has nothing to do with me. I am very content with what I do and how much I'm making and all that. I don't set my salary. Uh, and so the org chart, if you will, uh, that the people that oversee that are called the governance team. And I'll list their names here. Elise Brock, uh, Jamie Anderson, he's an elder. John Neal, he's one of our pastors downtown. Uh, Leah Wickstrom, Mark Hintz, another elder. Min Rose, Olivia Disselkamp, she's uh, in charge of HR and then uh, Steve Treichler, our, our uh, senior pastor. So those individuals are the ones that set our budget. And then from there, it, it trickles down and then to our local elders. And so Josh Darmola, uh, myself, and, and Paul. Oh, by the way, Paul and Allison had their baby. I, didn't, I don't think I mentioned that. So congratulations. They had uh, Chase, uh, Chase the Tank. He was uh, nine pounds, 12 ounces. So he's a big, big dog. Uh, but uh, anyways, uh, we'll, we'll get to meet them soon. Um, but, but it trickles down, and so they give us the budget. Hey, you know, elders from Lower Town, here's your budget, and here's how you, and then you need to allocate it. And so we figure out how we're going to allocate those monies, and I don't set the salary. Uh, it has nothing to do with any of that. So uh, that, that's all governance team. And then it goes then to the, the staff run. We've talked about that, that we do a lot of things that are hopefully that we pay people to, to do their jobs well. Uh, but then ultimately, especially for a congregation our size, we would use that phrase of member mobilized. And so uh, we want to see you and be the hands and the feet of, of Christ. So if you have any questions about that, you can ask me about that later. Uh, but I did want to get into that. So again, this idea of treasure, though, is a spiritual discipline. And it's, it's really important uh, because I'm telling you right now, if you show me your bank account, I can show you what your idols are. All right? That's just true. That's true of anybody. That if you actually handed me, here's a, here's a printout of how I'm spending my money, I could look at it and go, oh, I, I can see where you're spending your money. And I'm telling you right now, this, this is an idol, right? And it's true of me as well. And yet, I would never do that, <laughs> right? There's a, there's a philosophical thing here. I've got a really good pastor friend of mine who does that. He actually knows how much everyone in his congregation makes annually and will then say, hey, uh, you're not pulling your weight right? I, I will never do that because I don't trust myself, right? And let me just be honest because I know that if there were somebody who gave a lot of money and somebody who gave out of their heart and, and in their poverty gave a little bit, and I'm in a meeting and we need to figure out what color to paint the hallway, I'm going to listen to the person who's given more money more than I'm, that's just me, right? I'm just being honest with you. And I don't want to be that guy. I want to treat everyone equally. So I don't want to know how much you're giving. I want to know that Angela and I are giving faithfully, 
and giving out of what God has given us, that I want to do. But I have no idea who gives how much or how much they make, and nor should I. And, um, and so let me, let me jump into um, this idea of what, what is with this tithe in the Bible. And so if you grew up in the church, maybe you didn't, that maybe you've heard of, of a tithe and it's this 10% and that we ought to give 10%. The tithe is an Old Testament law uh, that the Israelites were to give 10% of everything, not just their money, because they didn't, a lot of transactions weren't cash or silver or gold. They, they had goats and they had sheep and they had wool and they had, right, they had goods. And they were to take 10% of that and give it to the temple, give it to the Levites. And so here's the, here's the law. In Numbers chapter 18, verses 20 through 21, and again, I'll have all the, the scripture on the screen. I'm going to be all over the Bible today, so you can try to keep up, but I'll do my best to, oh, I will read all these out loud uh, from the NIV as we're reading from today. So Numbers 18, 20 through 21 says this, the Lord said to Aaron, uh, Aaron is a Levite. He's kind of the, the first priest, if you will. You have no inheritance in their land, nor will you have any share among them. I am your share and your inheritance among the Israelites. So there are 12 tribes of Israel and they all get a chunk of land in Israel. And we just went through Hosea. And so you had this united kingdom uh, under the kings. But when they got in there, there was, it was divvied up into these 12 tribes. But Levi, the Levites, didn't get land. They didn't get an inheritance. And so the tithe is exactly what it was, that all the other tribes would take 10% and they would hang on to it and give to the Levites because they didn't have jobs. Uh, they weren't working the fields. They didn't have grain or goods to be able to have. They had to rely on the generosity uh, that was law uh, of the people. And that's what they lived on. So I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in return for the work they do while serving at the tent of meeting, the tabernacle or the temple or the synagogues. So that, that's what's happening. Moving on though, why is this? Because it's not just for the Levites. This, there's a lot of, a lot of tithe law in, in, the, in the Pentateuch, in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But what happens here is at the end of three years, these are for people who live in a town that maybe there's not a synagogue, there's not a temple. So it says, hey, just save it but kind of have your own food bank, if you will, right? You don't need to go to a temple. You don't need to sell your stuff. Just hang on to it. Why? And bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns so that the Levites, right, when they do pass through and they come around who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and not just the Levites, but the foreigners, the fatherless and the widows who live in your own towns may come eat and be satisfied. And so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So this isn't just for the, 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 uh, the religious leaders, the Levites. This is for people who just simply can't take care of themselves, uh, that they're, they're, they're in a position where they, they don't have land or they can't work or fill in the blank. And so we need to, according to Israel, that their law was you need to make sure you have a food bank or something stored up for those people who actually need it, not just the Levites. Uh, and this is true of any business. And so this, this, this kind of carries over a little bit within our, our modern day that my salary is 100% based off of what you donate, uh, for sure. Uh, that my, my income is based off of your generosity, 
right? But we could kind of say that's also true, though, of, of any business, that if you go out to eat, uh, there's a restaurant is not going to be in business if you don't go there and give their money. Now, the difference is the goods, right? You're getting a yummy cheeseburger, uh, and I'm just up here talking to you, right? <laughs> so so that's, the, that's the difference, right? There's, the, there's a payoff there. But, but again, the church isn't just about someone standing up and talking and preaching. It's about our community. It's about our relationships, about uh, different things and classes that we're able to offer and and all of that. And so, uh, and, and so anyways, that, that's that. But so, so I think a lot of times this idea of 10%, that 10% of everything needs then to be given to the church. But I would argue that that's law. That's Old Testament law. And we're not under law, we're under grace. And so I would ask, and what I think Christ asked, that God is far more concerned about your heart than the dollar amount of how much you give. Far more concerned about your heart you could be a wealthy individual and you could be given a lot of money, but if it's just, I'm just doing this for a tax write-off, yeah, it's, you're, not, you're not checking a box and God's like, oh, they gave a lot of money to the church. I guess they're good. No, it doesn't work that way. It's about our heart. And so it could be 10%, but it might not be. It might be more. It might be less. And it might go to your local church. It might go to Hope Community Church Lower Town. And it might not. Angela and I, and I'm not doing this to, to brag or say anything like that, but we don't give all of our, our donations to this church, right? We have friends that are missionaries and we have other organizations that we like and we enjoy giving money towards. And so I would enjoy, have, I would get joy out of you doing the same thing. And it's not just about us. It's not just about our church. It's about the work of God. And so uh, again, year end gift. Uh, if you're thinking about that, um, uh, just in the spirit of, of Christmas and all these different things. I, I really don't care where it goes. I don't. Uh, but what I care about is your heart and that you would love Christ and the kingdom of God uh, in order to be able to give generously. And so Christ talks about this, the idea about the heart. So I'm just going to read again. I'm kind of be all over the place, but just listen to what Christ says here. In Matthew chapter 6, 1 through 4, he says this, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. In the tabernacle that would have been there in Jerusalem, and, and Jesus most likely, he would do this. He would share a story or a parable, and he could see the thing that was happening, right? So when a sower sows his seed, most likely there was actually a farmer out throwing seed, and he could look at that. And the, hey, that fig tree over there, right? Uh, so, so most likely he's at the temple, and he's talking about it, and they would have these giant coffers. And they would be made of metal or brass. And so when people would throw their money in or their silver, their gold, it would make noise. It would be loud. And, and if, you were, you can be, like, if you were really arrogant, you would take your little pieces out and drop them in one at a time. You'd be there for a long time making a lot of noise. And that's kind of what Jesus is talking about. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have... Uh, receive their reward in full. But I tell you, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees what is in secret will reward you. See, so I'm just trying to help you with your reward by not knowing how much you give. See, I'm, so I'm doing you a favor. Right? Yeah. Moving on here in Genesis, Matthew chapter 23, in verse 23, Jesus says this, woe to you, warning to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you, you religious people, you're hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. So he's saying, hey, you live by the law. You even go above what the law requires. You're going extra because you have to get 10% on certain things, but not your, not your mint, right? You're counting your leaves. You're going, okay, I got to give this many leaves of my mint. 
and I'm going to donate it, right? They went above and beyond, but you're hypocrites. You have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out the gnat, but swallow the camel. Continuing, he says, woe to you, warning, teachers of the law and Pharisees, religious people, you're hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence, blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, warning to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, the religious people, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, painted white tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones and of the dead and everything unclean. Contextually here, what they would do is that when somebody would die, I think Jesus wrapped in the tomb, that they would wrap them and embalm them in spices, and so the body would decay. And after a while, they would go back in and collect the bones and put them then in these sarcophaguses, these little tiny boxes, and they'd put the bones on there, and then they would paint them white. They'd be this beautiful little white box, right? And so Jesus is saying, it looks really good, but on the inside, you're full of bones and dead and everything unclean. And in the same way, on the outside, you appear to be people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And last one here in a passage that I unfortunately has been taken out of context by far too many churches, especially in America, is this. Jesus sat down opposite of place where the offerings were being put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but the poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put everything in, all she had to live on. Now again, unfortunately, there are very few things in this world that make me more upset than people taking a passage like this and twisting it for their own advantage and their own good. To say, see, I don't care what what world you're in and how poor you think you are, you always have more to give. And I, and I, hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you right now, brothers and sisters, if you just give money to Jesus and you just put that in the plate, then Jesus is going to return that to you tenfold. That's garbage. Don't listen to that. Tell your grandma, stop giving to these people. Seeing a spiritual leader live lavishly while taking from those in need honestly makes me sick. And I think that when Jesus, what he's saying here is look at the heart, not, not take advantage of people who can't give. I remember when I was first in ministry, I remember I was, I was going to, a, it was a, we used to call them shut-ins. It's just a, not a fun name if you are a shut-in. People who didn't get out a lot, they're older usually and, and couldn't move around a lot. And we would go to their, their homes, their apartments, their, their uh, uh, nursing homes, and we would give communion with them and pray with them. And, and this sweet little old lady just said, I got my check this week from my son, but it was just enough to cover my rent, and I feel so bad because I don't have anything to give uh, for a tithe. And I was like, yeah, don't. You know what I mean? Like, we, let's, we're not asking for that. We want your heart to be in the right place, but I also don't want you to be homeless, right? We need to make sure that our heart is in this, and I can promise you that woman's heart was in the right place. Now, I want to move on a little bit. This past week, uh, one of our elders, Ben Wasik, elder, uh, one of the downtown elders, he actually spoke. He's a financial planner, uh, great guy, uh, smart, intelligent, and when it comes to his job and finances with loving God and Christ and yet being uh, generous with his giving, 
Um, uh, ben is, is an example, I think, to all of us. And so he, he preached on this. And so I asked him for his outline. And so I kind of took some pieces. And so I just want to kind of just run through this briefly of some things that he had said uh, about uh, when it comes to giving. And he just talked about there are common negative responses to conversations about personal finances. One is we feel uneducated or, or feel foolish. Uh, I remember in high school, we took a, a, a finance class. What was, it, what, was that, what was that called in high school? Uh, home, home ec? No, not home ec. Oh, just economics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, economics. Uh, and, uh, and I remember, <laughs> see, this, is, this is my forte, in case you can tell. My wife is an accountant. I don't even know what we're doing. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, but, but I do feel foolish. I still feel foolish in this, right? Uh, and, and yet, I remember in economics class, we, had to, we made a fake checkbook, and we had to balance our checkbook. You know how many times I've had to balance a checkbook and as, an, as an adult? Never. Uh, and so <laughs> I just feel dumb when it comes to this stuff, right? I feel very uneducated. What is an interest rate? I don't know. Um, regret, feeling overwhelmed, uh, stress and anxiety, marital conflict. I mean, when you look at the stats, the number one reason for a lot of divorces uh, is because of marital conflict over finances. And if you're married, you've probably had some type of conflict over finances. Uh, and then I added this one. This is the only thing that the church is interested in. It just seems to always be talked about and in front of people. Uh, and yet it is important. It is a spiritual discipline. But again, as I've said over and over, it's about our heart. And so what is stewardship? And as we looked at the, just even the title of this series of being entrusted, what is this? Well, Psalm 24, verse 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world and all who live in it. And so we can just understand that God owns everything. We just sang about this. This is the song we just sang, that if thou should call me to resign, what I prize most was never mine. You only ask for what is yours, right? This is, God is just saying, this is already mine. We just sang these words, thy will be done. And so God entrusts us in, in, in multiple different ways and the resources that he gives us through our, our work, uh, through for what we earn. And, and honestly, that's the kind of resources or money that I think is the hardest to give. I, I earned that. I worked for that, right? And then you start doing the math, right? Whatever job you're in. I spent this many hours. I made this much money. And so basically, and then you're at work, especially if, if, you're, if you're hourly, right? And you're like, okay, so the first day of my week, I'm not even gonna see a penny of that, right? We do that with taxes, we do that with everything. And then if we're like, well, I'm gonna give this to the church, it's like, well, well, that's why our heart is so important in this. And we get gifts, and what can we give with that? Inheritance. Um, I know there's a couple Rockefellers that, that uh, go to our church here. It's not true. Uh, I don't think they get like generational wealth. I don't think it's like buildings. How do you sell a building? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how that works. Clearly, I'm uneducated in this. Uh, growth from investments. Uh, we can see all these different things. But then we do three things with our money, the three main things that we save, we give, or we spend. Right? And we should be doing that. And here's your free financial tip of the day. Again, I'm no, I'm no a financial guru, but I'm telling you, you need to make more money than what you spend. Okay, that was free. And if you're spending more than what you're making, if you're putting more on your credit cards and you're buying houses that you just can't afford, uh, you're going you're gonna to end up in a world of hurt. And when you do that, when you make decisions like that, you can't give, and you can't save, and you can't set yourself up to be generous and to live generously. 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'm going to go through a couple of verses here in 1 Timothy. 
The Apostle Paul says this to Timothy, who's a church planter. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth. And again, we could look at this and say, what does it mean to be rich? I'm, I'm telling you, by world standards, we're rich. Uh, that there are those of us who have more money than others. Uh, and I don't mean we're wealthy. I don't mean that we're, we're rolling around in money. We just don't even know what to do with all this money. I don't mean that. We have been blessed beyond comprehension. And to be able to, to live sacrificially, to say, I, I don't know if I need that newest thing. I don't know if I need the best thing, but I can be content with this so that I can live in a certain way that is generous towards others. Uh, and, and by the way, this, I just thought of this, 20, 20 cents of every dollar that comes into this church goes right back out. Uh, and so it's things with the community, whether it's missionaries uh, and the like. And so I just wanna let you know that. I don't mean like out the ceiling through like heat and electricity. Uh, I mean, out the doors to the neighborhood. <laughs> he says, don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put your hope in God who richly provides, richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And listen, we should enjoy life. Uh, there's a stigma, at least for sure, the way I grew up within the church and within very conservative church, it was just like, God forbid you smile, you know, every once in a while and have a good time. Uh, we're, we're allowed to have fun. And we're allowed to use the gifts, even financial gifts that God has given us to have fun and yet live generously. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Again, another verse is taken out of context a lot. It doesn't say the love, or sorry, that money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. That if we don't have jobs, if we don't have an income, then, then we can't help other people. We can't serve them. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The Bible tells about people who just became so enamored with the world that they turned their back on Christ to pursue something else. And I'm sure uh, we have friends or family or somebody that we know that, that started in a certain way that we, we saw them have a passion for God and a passion for Christ, then turned their back and just fell in love with the things of the world. They fell in love with the creation rather than the creator. And then Jesus says this in Mark chapter 20, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And this is uh, one of those verses that a lot of times there's some confusion around this um, that I know I was once taught uh, that there was some little uh, gate in the wall in Jerusalem. And so it was really difficult for a camel to get down on all fours and kind of squeeze through this, this door that was called the eye of the needle. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> there was no door called the eye of the needle. What Jesus meant by saying it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God is that it's easier for a camel, animal, to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus meant, okay? And, and again, it doesn't mean because I'm wealthy, all oh man, that, that God doesn't love me, not at all. He sent his son so that all would come to repentance for sure. It's just saying that when somebody's wealthy, they don't realize their need for a savior. 
And it's incredibly difficult for somebody who has everything, who doesn't have a care in the world financially, to think, yeah, I need to die to self. It's very difficult. That's all Jesus is saying here. Uh, I'm going to skip over uh, some of this, but we can see that God gives, God gives generously, that God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only one and son, and whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his love for us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And so we can invest not just with our money, but with our life. And Jesus teaches this, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, In the King James, this is always a fun one in the King James Version, where moth nor dust doth corrupt. That's a, say that five times fast. Where moth and dust, 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 you see? Where moth and dust doth corrupt. Where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For your treasure is there your heart will be also. So even when it comes to finances, and Jesus talks about money a lot, but always, 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 every time it comes back to our hearts. So we can see, do not be arrogant. Do not put your hope in wealth. And a lot of times when we hear things like that and coming from Jesus and what the verses we just looked at, a lot of times we think I'm the exception to that. I'm the exception to that. I'm not arrogant when it comes to my wealth or my finances. Not me. I give generously. Uh, it, it's like I, I, recently I was around a, a table. It was like 10, 10 church planters, and it was like 90% of church planters are under an unhealthy amount of stress. And then we go around the room, and every single one's like, nah, I'm good, nah, I'm good, nah, I'm good, nah, I'm good. And I'm like, well, nine of us are lying. You know what I mean? Like that, the, I, I'm always the exception to the rule. I'm good, though. I'm not under stress. I'm okay. Don't be arrogant. Don't put your hope in wealth, but do put your hope in God. Do good. Be rich in good deeds. Be generous and willing to share. Lay up treasure for the coming age. Take hold of the life that is truly life. And and an example of this is in 2 Corinthians. There's a church that has gone through some persecution, actual persecution, of being killed by their government. And, And Paul says this to this church, in the midst of every severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And so Paul, who's a missionary, he's going on journeys, he has to raise money. He comes to this church who's just gone under some severe persecution. He's like, you guys don't need to give us anything. And they're like, no, 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 no. You can't tell me not to give. (laughs) And they gave generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Nowhere, I hope this morning, you've not heard if you give, you're gonna become richer financially. That you gotta do this and God's gonna bless that and he's gonna give you something else in return financially. No, if you give, God loves a cheerful giver and we can be thanksgiving, have a life of thanksgiving and generosity to serve others and you can be cheerful and have joy. That's what our return is. Knowing that we can help the kingdom of God even through our financial goods and gifts that God has given because he already owns it all anyways. So the encouragement that we see from this church is they're aware of the needs around them. Their giving was uncomfortable. 
And they received through their giving, excuse me, received joy through the giving, and God was glorified. So I want to give you an opportunity to respond generously and for, for you to live generously. Uh, sorry, opportunity to respond to God's generosity to you and for you to live generously. And, and again, this is like, again, I, I need to repent, but I'm so uncomfortable right now. Right? This just is not something I like doing. I don't like asking for money. And again, we're okay. We're, we're not in the black. We're not positive. We're, we're, we're negative right now. Right? We're, we're not depth con orange. You know, I'd say yellow. You know, we're, we're like mm, orange with like a tint of orange, or, or yellow with a little tint of orange, maybe. Whatever that is. Light orange. <laughs> that was just probably a fancy name for it, but I couldn't think of it. How do we do this, right? You can give one-time gifts. Uh, if you go onto our, our website, hopecc.com slash hopegiving, or, or go onto our, our app, and just look HopeCC in the app store. You can do one-time gifts, you can schedule the amount, uh, and, then, and then make sure that it's for Lower Town. Uh, if it's not, you have, to, you have to pick either Downtown, Hope Community Church, Downtown Minneapolis, Lower Town, or Columbia Heights. Um, and that goes to the general fund. We don't do designated giving here for a number of myriad of reasons. Uh, that uh, if you say, I want to give to the steeple fund, uh, well, then, then it puts us in a bind. You give a million dollars to rebuild a steeple, and it's like, yeah, I think there's other matters that we could do, right? Uh, and so we, we, don't, we just do general giving. Um, and then if for reoccurring gifts, then you need to have a, uh, an account on, the, on My Hope CC. Um, and so would encourage you to, to do that. So uh, when, we, when we look at these aspects, right? Uh, heart, 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 heart. Um, our heart needs to be in this. Uh, when it's, when it's uh, approaching God and having a heart of the Father, dying to self, and looking at his generosity, then we can share the generosity that he has given us uh, with our talents, with how we do that, and as we looked at today, our treasure. And next week, we will focus on how to generously live with our time and to live sacrificially with our time for others. So in application, in what ways... Can you live generous, generously when it comes to your heart towards giving, specifically? Again, where your heart is, there your treasure is. And I think that would, again, like I mentioned at the beginning, where if we look at our bank accounts, it's pretty obvious. It really is. Um, and so uh, let me pray, and I'd invite the worship team to come back up. We're going to have a time of communion, uh, as we do every week. And so we have the elements up front. And so uh, we just did this uh, last week again, moved them back up front. Um, still the individual uh, little cups and wafers. And so... You can grab those, uh, the wafer that represents the body of Christ that's broken for us, the juice that represents his blood that was shed for us. And uh, you don't have to be a member of this church or any church. All that I would ask is that you're a follower of Jesus. And if you say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus and I have a heart towards King Jesus, uh, then we'd love to have you partake of these elements. And as we think about the lavish generosity that God showed us and that Christ showed us to the giving of his body towards us, how is it then, and, and I pray that the Spirit would move in all of us this morning to think, how can we live generously with our finances so we can bless the city, so we can bless each other and those who are in need? And, um, and so, yeah, let me, let me pray, and then we will enter into a time of worship. We'll sing two songs, and so grab these elements as you see fit and partake of them as you see fit, and, um, and we will worship through song together as we partake of these elements. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you're good. And God, if you should call us to resign that which I prize most, it was never mine. I just pray that we would be able to say, thy will be done. 
And there's a lot of us, myself included, that we hold, hold our money tightly, that we want to be careful, yes, with our spending. We want to be wise with where we put our money and how we spend our money. But God, would you allow us to live generously, to, to be a force in this community, in this neighborhood, to say that we are a church that doesn't just care about what's happening inside of these walls, but we care what's happening outside of these walls as well. And so, uh, God, would you just help us now uh, to remember what it is that Christ did for us as he gave generously, as he gave sacrificially, so that we might have life, so that we can lay up for ourselves treasure in heaven. And so, uh, yeah, God, I pray now that you'd be honored and glorified as we partake of these elements, and as we lift up our voices through song, and it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.